hit the wrong mute. on i turn on my video here there we go good morning everybody and welcome to hope church online it is good to see some of your faces i love the way you guys greet each other before the service starts um, doesn't replace in-person community but it's it is good to know that we were able to keep in touch um, so if you're tuning in online with us on facebook we're glad you're here if you're a first-time visitor we'd love to get to know you. My name is Nate. I'm the, the lead pastor here. And uh, yeah, we're part of what we're looking forward to this summer is being able to see each other, being able to, to live out what we're going to talk about this morning, putting on love and compassion for, for one another. Um, yeah, so we'd love to get to know you. So please reach out either on Facebook or send an email to pastor at hopechurch.us. We'd love to get to know you. A couple announcements before we switch gears to worship. And uh, first, you'll in the order of service I sent out this morning, uh, you'll notice that Nick Cutler was supposed to join us, but they had a series of storms that knocked out his power on Friday. And as of yesterday, late yesterday afternoon, he still had no power. So he is in Mississippi. It's 85 and 85 percent humidity. So you could probably pray for him. Not. And he's going to try and join us next week to give us an update on his education. Um, second announcement, uh, just put it on your radar. Pastor Jim's going to be preaching at the end of the month. My family and I are going to be on vacation June 28th and July 5th. And so I just wanted to give you a heads up for that. I'm grateful for Pastor Jim being able to, to be with us and, and care for you and, and, and preach the word as well to share the gospel with you. Continuing through Lamentations, which is, um, I, I've seen Lamentations quoted in this last week because it's been so crazy. So it's, it's an important book. And then last, last announcement I have would be, well, I, yesterday I saw the good news, right? Cuomo has given the, the clear, the go-ahead for, for churches to be, have up to 25% occupancy in person inside you don't have to be in a car you don't have to be out in the parking lot you're allowed to come in the building made it. so that's exciting um so what does that look like for us i mean that's that's what we're going to talk about uh for 25% of our occupancy with chairs is 35 of us so we're going to have to work together as a session to figure out how that'll work in person um Session is meeting together on Wednesday. We'll, we'll nail down some details. There'll be a letter on what to expect. I mean, you can expect social distancing. You can expect face masks. You can expect plenty of hand sanitizer. If you don't have a face mask, we will have a face mask for you. Um, and if you're not able to make it, especially with those who are more immunocompromised and, and you're just not ready to come back in person yet, that is okay. Uh, we will have continued to, to uh, live stream the service on Zoom. So we'll have both in-person and Zoom for, I imagine, a long time. So next week will be trial and error as we try and work these bugs out, but God willing, all will go well. Get to see your faces instead of all my cute stuffed animals. 
That is all the announcements I have. If you have questions, feel free to reach out to the office. If you have financial needs, if you have uh, emotional, spiritual concerns and needs, please please contact us. We want to be with you and and pray for you and do as much as we can to serve you. That's what we as a church are here to do. As Psalm 67 says, Lord, bless us, be gracious to us so that we might be a blessing to others so that his, his power might be known among the nations. So uh, I, with that, let's take a moment to prepare our hearts for worship. I will ask Brandon to share the order of service. And I will ask if you are not on mute, would you please mute yourself? Thank you. Hey, Nate, if you would co-host me, I can take care of all those meetings. Yeah, I think I did. Brandon Perkins, is that the right one? Is there a different yeah. one? Okay, it, it's good. All right. John, whenever you're ready. All right. Very good. Good morning, everyone. I'll begin with a call to worship here from Psalm 146. And I think you know how it works. When it says all, then join me, though I can't hear you. We read it together. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. I will praise the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praises to my God while I have my being. Together. Put not your trust in princes, in the son of man, in whom there is no salvation. When his breath departs, he returns to the earth. On that very day, his plans perish. Blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord his God, who made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, who keeps faith forever, who executes justice for the oppressed, who gives food to the hungry. And so let's pray. Our glorious God, the triune one, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, we approach you today to worship you. And you teach us, you tell us that you are holy, a thrice holy God. You are of infinite significance and infinite worth. There is none holy like you. There is none, none, no God beside you. There is no rock like our God. Who can stand before you? For we have rebelled against you. We are unworthy and sinful without hope. And yet, Lord, you reveal yourself to be compassionate and merciful and gracious 
There is forgiveness with you. You are slow to anger. You abound in steadfast love and faithfulness in goodness and truth. You have shown kindness to us. And this goodness and kindness appeared. It shone upon us. It became visible in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. You saved us not because of what we have done, but in accordance with your own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom you poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by your grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. And so, Lord, we gather in Jesus' name this morning, knowing that this is a rehearsal, a practice, a foretaste of that glorious day that will be an eternal day in your presence. And we offer our worship and service to you through the Lord Jesus Christ and the power of his spirit, in whose name we pray. Amen. And we have a song. Let's sing together. Get started. The King of Love, my Shepherd is, whose goodness faileth never. I nothing lack if I am His, and He is mine forever. Hallelujah. Oh, 
Thank you, John. I'm going to read Psalm 10 as our confession of faith this morning. Now, I was planning ahead and, and looking for something that, that adequately describes what we're going through. Um, one of the things the Psalms do really well that's connected to our uh, sermon text later is the Psalms give us wisdom um, on how to apply our faith wherever our emotions may be. And so whether you're grieving or angry, uh, lonely, afraid, I mean, the Psalms are there to teach us, to give us words for our frustration and our, our struggle. And so Psalm 10 is one of those. It's saying, God, why do you watch the wicked? Why do you, why do you, are you comfortable? <laughs> Arise, do something. And so let's, let's read it. And we're, we're really thinking about Cities on fire, uh, we're thinking about churches that are grieving, we're thinking about our African-American friends who are hurting, um, just this universal longing for justice. The Psalms give us those words. And so let's, let's read it. It says, why, O Lord, do you stand far away? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? In arrogance, the wicked hotly pursue the poor. Let them be caught in the schemes they have devised. For the wicked boasts of the desires of his soul, and the one greedy for gain curses and renounces the Lord. In the pride of his face, the wicked does not seek him. All his thoughts are, there is no God. His ways prosper at all times. Your judgments are on high out of his sight. As for all his foes, he puffs at them. He says in his heart, I shall not be moved. Throughout all generations, I shall not meet adversity. His mouth is filled with cursing and deceit and oppression. Under his tongue are mischief and iniquity. He sits in ambush in the villages and hiding places. He murders the innocent. His eyes stealthily watch for the helpless. He lurks in ambush like a lion in his thicket. He lurks that he may seize the poor. He seizes the poor when he draws him into his net. The helpless are crushed, sink down, and fall by his might. And he says in his heart, God has forgotten. He has hidden his face. We will never see it. Arise, O Lord. O God, lift up your hand. Forget not the afflicted. Why does the wicked renounce God and say in his heart, you will not call to account? But you do see, for you know mischief and vexation that you may take it into your hands. To you, the helpless commits himself. 
You have been the helper of the fatherless. So break the arm of the wicked and evildoer. Call his wickedness to account until you find none. The Lord is king forever and ever. The nations perish from his land. O Lord, you hear the desire of the afflicted. You will strengthen their heart. You will incline your ear to do justice to the fatherless and the oppressed, so that the man who is of the earth may strike terror no more. This is God's word. May he add his blessing to it and give you words for your anguish. And I'll ask Pastor Jim to lead us in prayer for one another. Good morning, everyone. Uh, we have uh, some anniversaries this week. We have uh, the Millers have an anniversary and the Emersons have an anniversary. And uh, it's uh, Samson's birthday this week, right, Nate? Yep. So um, we... We want to make sure that we think about them and pray for them. Uh, also, I sent out a, a prayer uh, chain yesterday uh, with uh, with prayers as uh, Simeon is uh, coming home and Steve is in need of healing uh, as well, and the and prayers for uh, the uh, Turner's friend. Um, I also pray for uh, personal prayer for. The city of Troy, as today, uh, they are having uh, two o'clock, they're having a protest and it's uh, kind of alarming to drive down through Troy and to see uh, all the windows boarded up for all the, all the, all the businesses are all boarded up all the way down, even the, the post office and uh, many, many other places, little shops and some of the bigger shops. So praying that the, the trend seems to be that it remains peaceful and let's hope that uh, the folks do what they want to do, but also the fact that the other people who are uh, causing the riots uh, stay away from Troy. So it keeps uh, personally because of my family's uh, great involvement down in downtown Troy. So I certainly ask you to pray for that today and uh, making sure that uh, God keep them safe and certainly deter any any violence that happens today. Um, I want to read, before I pray, I want to read from the Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes, uh, but as we pray today, uh, because this is not, uh, this is not the, the formula to become a Christian. This is what it is to be a Christian. This is how Christians live in the world. And the character and uh, the uh, the walk of a Christian, and it says here in uh, <clears throat> Matthew chapter five, and he opened his mouth and he taught them, saying, "Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied." Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad. For your reward is great in heaven, 
for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I ask you to hear our prayers this morning. Uh, we know that you do, and we just uh, bring that uh, request to you out of uh, reverence and out of love for your sovereignty and your power and your grace and the authority that you do have. And you've uh, shown that to us throughout creation. And we certainly uh, read that, uh, that it is a, a part of who you are and what you rightly uh, deserve and uh, rightly to be worshiped is your sovereignty and your worship. But also because of who you are, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we are thankful that we are recipients of uh, the triune God and the different persons of the Trinity, Lord. We thank you that we have been part of this great plan that you have uh, given us, Lord, and you have revealed to us your plan of redemption. Father, we thank you for that, and we thank you for sending your son, Jesus. And Jesus, thank you. We pray, just praise you and thank you for uh, implementing that or securing that for us, that redemption. Uh, that you make it possible for us and the Holy Spirit, whom both of you have sent to us, that uh, we may uh, have a new heart and the power of Christ may live within us and the spirit of Christ may live within us and to be able to uh, give us this great privilege of knowing what it is to be followers of Christ. Lord, we pray that it would not be for only us as individuals, as we certainly hope and pray, but also as your church, universal, but as in Hope Church as well, as we uh, continue to go through this unique and uh, very uh, adverse time. But yet, Lord, we, we know that there will be a time when this will slowly open up, and we pray that you would make us wiser, uh, make us more grateful, make us more loving, uh, make us more desiring to be holy, because of uh, our understanding of, of who you are now, uh, if not more than ever. Uh, we pray that you would help us to be a different people, a peculiar people, a people set apart by grace and love for your work. And as we have read this morning, Lord, the characteristics of what it is to be a Christian in the world and, and this walk of being poor in spirit and merciful and mourn over our sins and the sins of others and the meekness, Lord, of being able to uh, know that we have the ability to do something, but Lord, and the power to do something, but yet we desire not to because it is not beneficial for others. It does not edify others, nor is it glorifying to you. And so, Lord, we know that because when we live this way, and we do it on your account, we know that we will be persecuted. And yet, Lord, there will be times when we are not, and you will use it to open doors up so that we may be able to tell others about who you are. And so we pray that you would uh, be with us this week. Help us, Lord, through temptations. Help us, Lord, through difficult times this week. Help us, Lord, to realize that you are with us and you have not forsaken us. And that we, we realize that, Lord, that uh, we are guided by your rule and the peace that you've given to us. 
and that we submit to that with great joy and not with any feeling of, of being in bondage or loss of freedom, but let yet, Lord, just so counterintuitive to the world that we are free and that we are, we, we are willingly serving a king who loves us and who is benevolent, Lord, and we thank you for that. And we pray that you would uh, help your church and help us at Hope Church to, to be the folks and be the saints that you desire us to be in our homes and in the world around us as we uh, sense this volatility uh, in so many places, um, even in, in the streets and even on social media and uh, so many places, Lord, we find that there is a tension around us. So may we be moved by your grace and mercy to us. May our understanding and our worldview of being followers of Christ have the ability to transform us, but also give us a peace that transcends all understanding as we uh, walk together hand in hand to glorify you in this world and to make disciples. And as we are image bearers of the creator, Lord, we realize that now we no longer are, are the fractured and shattered images of Adam, but now we are the, the, the uh, beginning and the recreation of a new image that now being of Christ, the perfect, the perfect and second Adam, the one who reflects for us and shows us what it is to be a perfect human being. So we pray, Father, that we would look to you, Jesus, for being uh, that very great example for us, but only realizing that as we understand that you are not just an example, because there are many people who desire the morality of Christ and the ethics of you, Jesus, but do not want you, but we want you, Lord. We want you to be a part of our life. We want you to be uh, very much the reason why we live and breathe every day. So Lord, be with us as we continue to worship here now. We pray that you will be with uh, our, the, our leaders of our country and of our local uh, municipalities, that you would give them wisdom, Lord, and that in spite of their either uh, faith or lack of faith, that you will use them to glorify yourself in spite of their understanding of you. And we pray, Father, that um, you again would give us uh, a thankfulness for having this day uh, to love one another, but to love each other because you have first loved us. So we ask that, Father, as this message comes about, that your work will be continually working in us by the Spirit, changing and transforming us into the image and likeness of your Son. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Jim. I'll ask Brandon if he'll share our order of service, and we will transition now to confess our sin together. As, as we get ready to say these things out loud, and we, one of the things grace does is because we know we have a gentle high priest in Christ, who, as Hebrew says, is able to deal gently with the ignorant, um, those who screw up by accident. And even the, the really stubborn, those things you did this week on purpose because you wanted to do them. Um, he still responds with gentleness because he loves you. And that gives us the freedom then to say, okay, God, I did this. 
I hate it. Help me change. And so as we live by faith in Christ and trust that all this has been forgiven at the cross, cheer up, you're worse than you thought, and let's be honest together, because Christ loves us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you now, our, our lives hidden in Christ Jesus. Remind us now that you delight in dwelling with those contrite in heart and broken in spirit. Help us hear your commands to change as what they are, a gift of your work in us. Amen. Together. God, help us put to death what is earthly in us, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these two, we once walked when we were living in them. But now we must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from our mouths. Do not lie to one another, seeing that we put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Lord, now I confess with my brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus that I need your help in putting off my old self. Use our confession now to increase our knowledge of you and to increase our desire to be transformed into the image of Jesus. May the righteousness of Jesus in us shine like the noonday brightness and draw others to faith in the gospel, we pray. In Christ's name, amen. Take time now to pray confidently to Jesus, our great high priest, who desires to help us in our time of need. Well, here are the assurance of pardon, these words of encouragement. I realized I accidentally left that out of the order of service. So this is from Romans chapter 8, verse 1. It says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, for he has done, God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do by sending his son, like us, but without sin. And that is, that is our great encouragement and trust today. Rest, rest in the finished work of Christ and the freedom from guilt and condemnation. Amen. All right. Well, I need, I want to talk to the kids for a couple minutes here. We are learning the Lord's Prayer. And so if, if there are any kids out there still awake, uh, still moving, I'd love to see your faces. Um, see should be fun. We are going to learn what does it mean when we in the Lord's Prayer, Jesus taught us to pray, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Right? 
What are debts? Any of you know? Feel free to talk if you're, you're able to get to a microphone and if, if I hear silence, I'll answer for you. Anybody know what debts are? Yep. See blank stairs. And debts are when you, it's, the, it's a money term, right? When, when you can't pay, when you owe someone money, you, you owe a debt. And debt is the word that Jesus uses to describe sin. That when we break God's law, we owe him a debt. Right? We, we, should, we need to pay him back for what we've broken. Right? So I think, I think this is a familiar thing in everyone's household. You know what this is like? You have this very cool Lego thing that you worked on all day, right? You can tell I worked hard on this. I've got my nice tower. There's a spider there and the Hulk on top. He's smiling, actually. He's not angry yet, um, right? And you're, you've got this great creation, and along comes your brother and just smashes it to bits. The Hulk's face is now angry. If I could change it, I would. <laughs> right? How do you respond? You act like the person who broke your Legos owes you a debt. And you either lash out and throwing the Lego at them or start throwing punches. We start yelling, we start screaming, and then there's tears. And I'm sure all of your parents know what I'm talking about, right? We're mad because the person who broke what we love owes us a debt. Jesus says that is what God feels like when you sin against him. Right? You owe him a debt because you have broken what he made, what he loves, which is people. That's why we always say in our house, people are more important than stuff. Right? So when we pray, God, forgive us our debts, we are asking him to forgive us everything we have done to hurt him because we've broken his stuff. We've, we've broken his rules. But we can never pay that back, which is why Jesus had to die on the cross, to pay off all of our debts, to set us free. And when you are blown away that God is not mad at you, even though you owe him debts, that makes you want to forgive others. And that's why we pray, God, forgive us our debts as we forgive those indebted to us, those who are debtors to us, those who hurt us. So, the way you forgive someone is you spend some time thinking about how God has forgiven you. And that is true for everybody, whether you are a kid or an adult. And we meditate on the forgiveness of Jesus, his kindness, his patience, so that we might then show that love to others. So God, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And so let's, let's pray the Lord's Prayer together, and that will transition to our, our sermon. Thanks, guys. Our Father, who art, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation but deliver us from the evil one for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
Amen. Thanks, guys. Well, if you will turn in your Bibles with me to Colossians chapter 3. We are continuing on in our, our sermon series. <clears throat> All right, we're going to read verses 12 to 17 and calling the sermon Transformed by Grace, part two. Of If last week we were talking about what we need to change, what we need to take off, this week's passage is God loves us too much to say the same. Here's what we must do, what we must put on, how to live lives of love. So let's, let's read Colossians 3. I'm going to read verses 12 to 17. This is a phenomenal passage. There's a lot here. It's good. Uh, this is God's word speaking to us today. Those who have ears, let them hear. Put on that as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved Compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. Be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And this is God's word. He has spoken to us today in love it is true and trustworthy. Let's, let's pray. Our Father in heaven, your love for us is as strong as death. Your passions are fierce as the grave. Your flashes of fire are raging flame, your word says. Many waters cannot quench your love, neither can floods drown it. And we know through the gospel that this love we have is a love that carried us through judgment, through death, and resurrection in your Son. So I pray today as we talk about how to change, uh, Lord, that your spirit would come. Give us eyes to see how loved we are in Christ Jesus so that we might put on that Christ-like love for one another. And for that, we need help. So send your spirit to teach us, to renew our minds, to renew our hearts, to change us into the image of your son, we pray. And that's in the name of your beloved son that we ask these things. Amen. Amen. This week, and this is an appropriate passage for everything that's happened this week. You know, I was thinking about the anxiety that goes with Troy and, and hoping and praying that, that those things don't happen there. And Bob Dylan once sung a song that describes exactly what's going on. Right? He, he prayed. And I didn't pray. He sang. Sorry, I'm getting that wrong. <laughs> right? He sang, everything is broken. Here's some of the lyrics. Broken bottles, broken plates, broken switches, broken gates, broken dishes, broken parts. Streets are filled with broken hearts. Broken words are never meant to be spoken. Everything is broken. Seems like every time you stop and turn around, something else just hit the ground. It's an apt description of last week. 
2020 of, of life outside of Eden. It agrees with what the Bible describes. That everywhere the curse is found, it seems like every time you stop and turn around, something else is falling apart. Right, so there's a lot here in Colossians 3 for us to meditate on then. Right? Calling us to put off anger, wrath, slander, abusive language, obscene words. And in its place, put compassion, kindness, meekness, humility, gentleness, uh, patience. Right? And we do that together. With what we talked about last time, we do that together as a as an economically and ethnically diverse group of people who are all gripped by being loved by Jesus. Christ is in all and is all, says verse 11. We want to put on love, which binds everything, including us, together in harmony. So when you, when you hear those words, is that not the kind of church you want, the kind of house you want to live in, the kind of life you want to live is that a, not the kind of workplace you want to enjoy? Actually be loved and served by your boss and by your employees. This is the kind of love we want to live in. And what Paul is saying, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, all those virtues, this is the ordinary Christian life. That if you begin following Jesus and continue to follow Jesus and, and make Jesus your identity through faith, putting on compassion and humility, meekness, patience, this is the kind of person God is making you into. Right. A couple of years ago, uh, the Bishop Michael Curry, right, the Episcopal pastor, spoke these words at, at the British wedding. Right? It was one of the most listened to sermons in a long time. He said, stop and imagine for a minute. Think and imagine. Think and imagine a world where love is the way. Imagine our homes and families when a love is the way. Imagine our neighborhoods and communities where love is the way. Imagine governments and nations where love is the way. Imagine business and commerce when love is the way. Imagine this tired old world when love is the way. When love is the way, unselfish, sacrificial, redemptive, when love is the way, we will let justice roll down like a mighty stream and righteousness like an ever-flowing brook. Right. Love is the way. That's what Paul's teaching us today. And so what I want to meditate on today and as we go through this text is ask, where in the world do you get that ability to love like this when Paul says it's ordinary? This is the normal Christian life. He's not talking to just the pastors. He's not talking to the super spiritual. Christ is all and in all. Therefore, if you are a Christian, this is about you. Putting on compassion. Right? And Paul's answer is this is meant to be lived out by the church. We figure this out in the church, among one another, and in the presence of our neighbors. It's a great hope. So, one of the things, we'll, as we dive in, in case you missed the first two messages on Colossians 3, how do you get there? Because you need to remember that the new identity that we talked about a couple weeks ago, so I want to recap, and I think, I think it'll be helpful. It's remembering now that as a Christian, the way you get to love, the way you get to putting on compassion is starting with your identity. 
Christ is now your life. Your life is now hidden with God, hidden behind him, in Christ up in heaven. That's, that's the beginning of chapter 3. So when Jesus died, taking away out the curse of brokenness, of sin upon himself, you were there in him. You died too. Your sin has been paid for. When Jesus walked out of the tomb on the third day, he didn't walk out alone. You were resurrected in him. When Jesus rose up into heaven, ascended to sit next to God at the right hand of the Father, he carried us with him. One way to put it is Jesus carried us with him when he when he opened to us, when he, Jesus carried us with us when he boarded up the gates of death and then walked us through into the gates of glory. Right. That is your identity. You are with Jesus now, and Jesus is now with you. But now we got to figure out how to live from that identity, and that's what we talked about, right? And I know because you're human, you have an identity, a life here on earth that's based on earthly things. That's and for all of us who have identities that are based on earthly things, this is what we do. We base it on how well we're doing lately or on how well these earthly things are treating us. Right? So think, of, think of your identities. You're a parent, a student. You're good at your favorite sport. You're, your career, you're married, you're not married. You like your friends. You like being liked by your friends. Your politics, your religion. I mean, all these different attempts these identities to feel significant in the cosmos. Um, all of them, because they're here on earth and because of the fall, we root them in our own goodness, our own worthiness, our own abilities to impress, our own beauty, our own goodness. And so if I could put it this way, and this is where Christ, the, the Christ-centered identity really helps you and helps me. Right? When you feel like your idols, your earthly things, when you're doing well, you feel like they love you. And, and you feel loved when you succeed, when you are beautiful, when you are working hard, and things are going well. But when you fail, when you sin, when you feel off, when you feel ugly, that's when I feel like my earthly things don't love me anymore. Right? Part of what the beauty of having Christ as your identity is your identity is now an anchor for your soul. It's, it's something that doesn't change. Right? It's, it's secure. But most of us are so used to basing our identity on earthly things, it's hard to get our minds wrapped around. We're just used to living life on a seesaw. You remember what a seesaw is, right? Kids, you'll have to ask your parents because they don't have them in playgrounds anymore. Probably because of the things we did to each other on the seesaw. Don't you remember being the person on the bottom of the seesaw, holding the person up in the air, and you just jump off, just let them drop? I guess it was just me. I'm confessing. I was that, I was that jerk, too. Right? That's how our idols treat us. That's how earthly things treat you. When you do well, they jump off the seesaw, and down you go, and hard comes the crash. Only the gospel gives me an identity in Jesus that is completely independent of me, of my obedience, my goodness, my beauty, my success, my attractiveness. Christ's life is now my life. His righteousness, his, his obedience is now mine in him by faith. His beauty is now mine by faith. God sees me. He knows me. He loves me because I am hidden in Christ 
whom he loves. And that never changes because you're in Christ, who is the same yesterday, today, forever. So with that identity as someone who is loved, that's where we come to say, okay, this identity is going to go to work like yeast, to work its way into your heart, to your mind, to change you. And that's where we're in. That's where we are in our text, where Paul says, now it's time to put on these Jesus clothes, to look like the one who loves you. Okay. Put off, put on. Now that Christ is your life, now that you know you are loved, where live out the grace you have received. Okay. So in this exhausted, this present evil age, this old tired world, as Bob Dylan sung, where do we get the ability to put on love, to put on compassion for, our, for each other? According to the gospel, according to Paul, it's by being loved. Okay. That's my first point. If you're taking notes, being loved is the way. Being loved is the way. Look at, look at verse 12. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. All right. You're never just told in the Bible, just do it. There is no Nike uh, tagline. It's, it's always you are loved, therefore love. God has done good to you, therefore do good. All right. See, that's, that's the point here in verse 12. You are loved, therefore love. Live that out. Because of who you are. Who are you? According to verse 12, you are God's chosen ones. You are holy. And you are beloved. Someone who is loved. Right. And this is what's really cool about this. It's chosen, holy, and beloved. Those are the same words that are used to describe Jesus in the New Testament. This is Paul's way of saying it. You're loved as Jesus is loved. More than you can imagine. In 1 Peter chapter 2, Jesus, you're the chosen cornerstone precious to, in God's eyes. He, that's the one God chose to fix what's wrong with the world. You're now grafted in, connected to him. Jesus is the Holy One of God. John chapter 6. Um, just go to Jesus' baptism in Matthew chapter 3. Jesus is the beloved of God the Father. You are my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And connected to that is Isaiah, which is also about being chosen and beloved. I mean, all these things just come to a perfect storm, but this is what I want you to see. All right? Every Christian is described with those exact same words, to be chosen, holy, and beloved, to be in the kingdom of God's beloved son, Jesus. It means God wants you there. He's claiming you, he's not ashamed of you, and he loves you. These are the people that God is describing. Right? And this is true of everyone in Christ. You could be rich, you could be poor, you could be... This is true of the people that you don't get along with in the church because of their faith in Christ. Right? Paul in verse 11 put together groups of people that don't ordinarily play nice together. They break each other's Legos, kids, if you're paying attention, right? Jew and Gentile, slave and free, barbarian and Scythian. They're all different categories of people who generally don't play well, but now they're family in Christ, chosen, holy, and beloved. 
So what I want to convince you is just like a tree can't flourish unless you're rooted and grounded by streams of water, no human being can love like Jesus loved, can love like Jesus commands, unless you're rooted and grounded in this chosen holy love of God in Christ. Chapter three is one big loud billboard that says, uh, don't try this at home without professional help, which is Jesus. Right. So what does it mean to be chosen? And this is, this is phenomenal. I'm going to go to Deuteronomy chapter seven again. It's one of my favorite places to describe what it means to be chosen. Uh, those three words, holy, chosen, and beloved, are right there in Deuteronomy chapter seven. Um, I, want to sh- I just want you to read it. I'm going to share the screen if, you have, if you're on computer, you can see it. It says, you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you, there's that word, to be a people for his treasure possession. And then down in verse 7, it was not because you were more in number than any other people that the Lord set his love on you and chose you, for you were the fewest of all people. It is because the Lord loved you. Holy, chosen, loved. They're all right there. Right. So just imagine you're, you're a Gentile, a non-Jewish follower of Jesus, and you've been around enough of the Jewish people to hear a local Yahweh follower pray, thank you, God, that you did not make me a Gentile. I mean, just imagine you come to church for the first time and someone stands up, thank you, God, that you didn't make me like that guy way in the back. How would that make you feel? Not so welcome. What Paul is doing here, he's deliberately showing that all these people, anybody who comes to Christ, is now on equal footing in the Savior. Holy, chosen, and beloved. There's no room for ethnic superiority in Christ's kingdom. To be chosen is to be loved. For the same, with the same jealousy and passion that the Lord had loved Israel for centuries, and it's now open to the world through Christ. Right? Why does he love us like that? Right? According to Deuteronomy 7, what is the reason? Do you see any reasons? It's not because you're great. It's not because you're strong. It's not because you're mighty. It's not because you're more numerous. And all the benefits that would come was just being a huge people group. In fact, it's because of your weakness, your smallness. He doesn't even say that. He says, no, it's just simply because the Lord loves you. So whatever struggles you have with that word being chosen, with the doctrine of election, it's a grace word through and through. It's saying, I love you, simply because I love you. And, it, and any kind of, be, I love you because, <laughs> would completely obliterate grace. Right? You are chosen. Right? If you come to your, don't try this at home, but if you come to your spouse, honey, I love you because you, you're beautiful, because you cook well, or because you like what I like. 
How, how's your spouse going to feel when they change? When they don't cook well? When they fail you? When they don't like what you like? You know, they don't want to watch things blow up on, on, t on that same movie anymore. That was just when you were dating. <laughs> See, that's the point. You are chosen in Christ simply because he loves you, which is leading you to put on humility, as Paul chose you. Because if you are loved simply because he loves you, he loves you despite who you are right now, wanting you to change. So, friends, we're just meditating on this. As those chosen holy and loved, you are loved as Jesus is loved. Do you see the beauty of that? And you're, you're not being asked to do anything that Jesus didn't already do for you. How did you get that status? Well, because God announced to Jesus at his baptism, you are my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. As the spirit came down, you belong to me. My is a holy word. Right? And then Jesus went about that work of humility of going down into suffering, down into weakness, the suffering of obedience, even to death on a cross by putting on compassion, meekness. He was gentle and lowly in heart. He was patient upon patience, slow to anger with his, with his disciples, leading to his death, taking God's judgment that we deserve so that we might be chosen holy and loved in the Savior. And that's what makes the cross so shocking. It's because of the magnitude of the love of the person of Jesus that was abandoned in my place. Jesus took my place. And he did so as one chosen, holy, and beloved. So if we're going to put on compassion, if we're going to change our old ways, we get to walk in the footsteps of our Savior walking the same path that Jesus has already blazed for you and you get to walk knowing that when you get up when you fail it's been paid for so get back on the path keep going follow him right? being loved is the way to put on compassion meekness humility gentleness patience all right that's first point being loved is the way that's how you change second point is being holy is the way and and this is this is a really cool connection because ordinarily I don't connect holiness to compassion. I don't connect holiness to kindness. Um, holiness makes, we just have that bad association in our head of holiness, putting you above someone else, not holiness coming down and compassion to serve. And yet everything Paul tells you to do in Colossians three, this is what holiness looks like. A holy person overflows with compassion. Right? It's right there in the Old Testament, but we miss it because we, we get freaked out by the anger passages. All right, so listen to Hosea 11. This is a great example of this, and I hope it's encouraging for you. Right? Hosea is the story of God describing why he is angry with Israel because of their idolatry, because they have loved other things, other gods, more than the God who loved them first. And, and their, their weak loves, their unfaithfulness is described as spiritual adultery. So God has a broken heart in Hosea, because the one whom he loves 
has chosen other lovers. And so it seems like for God to be holy, he's going to be furious. He's going to be angry, like a jealous lover. Right? He's going to come with anger. He's going to come with justice because these people, his people whom he loves, have been nothing but selfish and arrogant. They've chosen their own way. God is rightfully angry in Hosea like a wounded lover. And then you get to Hosea 11, verse 8, when God says, looking at the one who betrayed him, looking at the one who offended him, he says, how can I give you up, O Ephraim? How can I hand you over, O Israel? How can I make you like Adma? How can I treat you like Zebuim, Sodom and Gomorrah? He's saying, how can I, how can I divorce you? How can I get rid of you? How can I come against you in anger? And then he says, my heart recoils within me. My compassion grows warm and tender. I will not execute my burning anger. I will not again destroy Ephraim, for I am a God and not a man, the Holy One in your midst, and I will not come in wrath. Did you hear the connection? God looks at the ones who betrayed him, Israel, and says, my heart recoils, my compassion grows warm and tender, and the reason I am not going to come in anger, the reason I'm not going to give you what you deserve, is because I am the Holy One. I don't respond like you do. I am God. His divine holiness, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty moves to compassion when he looks at those whom he loves. So if being loved is the way to put on compassion, being holy is the way to bear with one another, forgiving one another, being patient with one another. And when you do so, choosing not to act on the anger, even when it's deserved, you're showing someone else what holiness looks like, putting on compassion. You can, you can just go down the list. What does it look like? Compassion. Right. Being holy is the way. Uh, compassion is the word that describes Jesus more than any other in the gospel. It means when you see someone sinning, when you see someone suffering, especially someone in Christ, your brother, your sister, your family, um, your guts just are moved. That's, that's the language. You know, when you, you see someone that you're the, in compassion, your eyes soften. Maybe your eyes water because the suffering is so bad. Uh, and you actually feel it from your inner parts. That's how Jesus was described over and over again. Right? Compassion is that great word you use to describe the Good Samaritan. When the Good Samaritan saw a Jewish man, an ethnic other, beaten and nearly dead on the side of the road, he saw him, he had compassion, and then loved him back to health at great cost to himself. Show compassion, that's, that's how the parable ends. Which one of the, the men who saw this guy beaten and dead showed mercy? Was it the religious guys that just kept on walking? Or the good Samaritan, which to Jewish ears would sound like a compassionate Nazi, makes no sense. Who showed mercy? Samaritan. See, the deeper it goes into your heart, being holy, beloved, 
chosen, having Jesus show compassion to you, that will show up in your life by being compassionate towards others, in particular those whom Jesus loves. Right? You know what compassion is? And this is this is sums up all of Christian ethics as a whole, and the virtues right here is as you now have the ability to imagine what it is like to be someone else and step into their lives for a moment, to feel what they feel, to weep as they weep, to rejoice as they rejoice. You're drawn into others' lives because of compassion. Right? That because I know what it's like for God to take my place on the cross in death, that I deserved, I'm now able to do that for others in compassion and model that with my life. That's the goal. And everything else really just flows out from that kindness, showing grace to someone, being over the top generous, whether they deserve it or not. Humility, thinking of others as more significant than yourself, says Paul. It's, it's not thinking less of yourself and saying, oh, I'm terrible, I'm terrible, I'm terrible. No, it's thinking, thinking of yourself less as you think about others. Oh, gentleness. Right? Instead of a people who are full of explosive anger and use words to tear people down, gentleness is a moderation word, a restraint word that you can be against something without being explosively, irrationally angry. Right, where you can come and, well, as the Proverbs say, a soft answer turns away wrath. It's gentleness. If you want to put on gentleness, you've got to meditate on Jesus' gentleness towards you. Because in Jesus, we have a high priest sitting at the right hand of God, according to Colossians 3, who is gentle towards the wayward and the ignorant, those who accidentally screw up and those who just absolutely wanted to hurt somebody, real sinners. We're told in Christ, you have a gentle high priest who's able to help you with those things. Right? I mean, I imagine you are probably more familiar with explosions of lion-like anger, anger that wants to burn down the world than with Jesus's lamb-like gentleness and moderation. And yet, because you are loved with a gentle love, put on gentleness. That's what holiness looks like. So being holy is the way, being loved is the way. Um, what does that look like? And we're just going to fly through these because I spent too long in the first few points. But you're getting the idea is, is when Paul says, God is changing you into the image of Jesus, the way you get there is by thinking about how Jesus treated you. And when you start to love him, you want to be like him. Put on compassion, meekness, humility, gentleness. Right? And in our community, as a church, it looks like bearing with one another. When someone has a complaint, you forgive them. Because God has forgiven you everything in Christ. You must forgive when someone has a complaint. 
Notice the how strong that language is. It's, it's pulling straight from Jesus' teaching. Because you've been forgiven, you must forgive others. You keep going down. You want to be ruled by the peace of Christ. And so you're, you're just controlled with the whole idea that, you're, that God's not mad at you. That peace, was, peace with God was bought with the blood of Christ. And that is enough that is starting to bring back this worldwide peace, this shalom, making things as they ought to be. And because you have vertical peace with God, it's going to work its way out in horizontal peace with one another. Above all, put on love. Binds these things together in, in harmony. Love is the way. So, we did a lot of theology, and I just want to give you a couple of simple questions to think about this, right? Because we all have naughty situations, sufferings, conflicts that demand Jesus-like virtue, that are calling us to be patient, to be kind, to be gentle, to be compassionate, to put on love, and we're just so exhausted we don't know how to do it. And so what you're the two questions you need to ask yourself before you try and do any of this on your own is, is you say, Holy Spirit, show me how Christ loved me. And then you ask, what does it look like to put on love? What does Christ-like love look like in this situation? It's not going to be easy. It's clearly Paul expects there to be mistakes because he says you need to forgive one another. It's going to involve repentance, lots of grace for one another. But if you start to learn to ask those questions, to slow down and say, how did Jesus love me first? And then what does the love look like in this situation? You're, you're on the path. Right? Now, how do you know what Christ-like love looks like? And that, that's what logically follows. Um, You've got to let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. You've got to be thankful. And that There's a whole series of thankfulness if... Being loved is the way, and being holy is the way. At the end of this, you can see that being thankful is the way. Verse 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. There's a lot of thankfulness going on. So how do you change? How do you know what Christ-like love looks like? Well, it's the word of Christ dwelling in you, in you all, right? So this is a community, not just you individually, richly. So at its simplest meaning, it means we read the Bible together and say, okay, what is, how did Christ love us? You know, you're, there, there's other ways to think about it, but at, the, at its very basic, this is why we read scriptures in groups and small groups and with friends in the church, right? I mean, it's helpful to do this one-on-one -on -one or in groups of two or three that with people that, that know you, that you trust, and they trust you. So you can say, okay, I have this really hard situation. I need your help. I need your advice. Teach me based on what Jesus taught me. And you get the wisdom of a friend. Right? And that, that's the beauty of this passage. 
that it's not just up to the pastors and elders to do this, because Paul addresses when he talks about singing psalms and admonishing one another, teaching one another in all wisdom. Right? It's not saying it's for particular people, it's for Christians who can use the word of Christ well to be a, a good counselor, a comforter, a friend, a compassionate one. Right? So that's why we talk about the Bible all the time at Hope Church, because we want the word of Christ, the gospel, the gospel of grace, these are the words from Colossians, to dwell in you because you have Christ in you when you hear him speak. Christ is in you and with you by faith. And now you get to let that seed grow. Teaching, so you got to grow knowledge and you got to be ready to have someone say, yeah, that's not what a Christian does. Admonishing one another. Uh, you also sing, right? It's one of the interesting things that's been so hard about this pandemic is we don't get to hear each other's voices. We get to hear John, who sounds lovely. Thank you, John. Uh, but part of the beauty of this is we sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs where we get to sing the gospel to one another and into our hearts. Right? It's, singing is a community affair. It's not just me and Jesus. It's me, Jesus and his church. And so that's why I would encourage you, even if you feel like your voice sounds like dying cats, whatever analogy you want to use, you don't like your singing voice, sing. One of the, my favorite churches to teach at in Mississippi was a, a really small church. It, it didn't have very many people. They told us when we got there, we don't sing well, we don't have a piano, we sing a cappella, we just make noise. They weren't wrong. And they did so joyfully because they were glad of God's love for them in Christ. Right. So it's a challenge. When you sing, you're also singing to help someone else. It's not just about you or me. Right. Another way you do this, right, Paul, it particularly points your attention to the Psalms. How do you hear Jesus speak to you? He says, well, pay attention to the Psalms. Specifically, there are two Psalms where that are described as a Psalm, a hymn, and a spiritual song. It's Psalm 67 and Psalm 75. Um, Bible nerds smarter than me have pointed this out. And those are Psalms in particular that are talking about how do you pray for others? Psalm 67, Lord bless me so that your power may be known among the nations. Lord be compassionate to me so your compassion may be known by others. It's a pretty brilliant uh, reference, if that's what Paul has in mind here. Psalm 60, Psalms in general, but Psalm 67 in particular. Right. So my challenge would be find someone to read the Psalms with this summer. To, 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 you don't have to sing them necessarily together, but to read them, to listen to them. Well, that's why I read Psalm 10 this morning. So you can Listen to someone else process their anger at injustice and ask God to do something about it. And in doing so, you're, you're, you're following the footsteps of Jesus who entrusted himself to the one who judges justly, even to death on a cross, letting God get revenge. 
one of those places where you're taught and warned are the Psalms. Right. So you get the idea. Now I have to set you free uh, with the, the help of the Holy Spirit to go put this into practice. <laughs> so whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father. When you realize the depths of how much you are loved, you're going to want to look like the one who loved you first. Grace is phenomenal because it doesn't just love you as you are. It loves you despite how you are and continues to love you and change you. That's Jesus. Right? So we're going to work that out. How do you put on compassion? How do you do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus? In the next couple of weeks, that's what the letter does. It talks about in your houses. The test case for your faith in the gospel or the people God put you with. It talks about the workplace. Right? Specifically slaves and, and workers. We'll talk about that. But uh, it talks about how to live this out with your neighbors who don't believe like you. So we'll talk about that as well. But remember, when, when even in that command, whatever you do, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. It's, it's reminding you that Jesus has put his name on you. Right. It's a gift. And people associate you with Jesus because you're a Christian. So therefore, as those dearly loved, imitate him. I want to end with this great quote from John Owen. Being loved is the way. Being holy is the way, and that's going to lead to thankfulness. That is the way to change. It's the way we are being changed by the gospel. John Owen sums this up well. He says, <clears throat> a man may love someone else like their own soul, but his love may not be able to help him. He may pity him in prison, but it doesn't give him relief or freedom. You may bemoan this, your friend in misery, but you can't help them. You may suffer with a friend, someone else in trouble, but you can't take away their troubles. We can't love grace into a child. We can't love mercy into a friend. We can't love anyone into heaven, even if it's the greatest desire of our souls. But the love of Christ, being the love of God, is effective and fruitful in producing all the good things that he wills for those whom he loves. God loves life, grace, and holiness into us. He loves us in the covenant through Jesus, and he loves us into heaven. And that is the power of the gospel that we have been given. So go think about that. Let's pray. Father, we, we spent a long time thinking about the beauty of your love for us, and I pray you would, as you have loved us, we would then, in turn, keep your commandments and love one another. If there are those who do not yet know what it is like to be loved, by our Savior, by you, I pray you would show them the beauty, the truth, and goodness of Jesus, that they too might join us as family and learn with us how to put on compassion, meekness, humility, gentleness, and patience. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Turn it over to John. Amazing love, how can it be? Yeah.
now hear the benediction. Uh, Brandon, could you put that back on? I didn't print that out in front of me. Uh, this is from Colossians and, and Isaiah. It's a good word from our God. I'm still waiting for the word of service to pop back up. Wait for it. Oh, thank you. All right. And now to God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, whom he has upheld since they were conceived, carried since they were born, hear his good promise. He says, I am he, I will sustain you, I will carry you, I will rescue you even to your old age. So go now as witnesses of God's compassion and love that he loves you first. Amen. At this point, I will sign off and say goodbye to those of our friends on Facebook. Thank you for joining us. And if you want to stick around and, and visit with one another, um, please do so. I'll set you up in breakout rooms shortly. <laughs>